Hey guys, welcome back to the Boxing Daily Podcast Live Stories with your host, Pam. Today's episode is about Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Ray Mancini is an American former professional boxer who competed professionally from 1979 to 1992 and who has since worked as an actor and a sports commentator. He held the WBA lightweight title from 1982 to 1984. Mancini inherited his nickname from his father, boxer Lenny Mancini, in 2015. Ray was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Early life. Mancini, Italian-American, was born Raymond Michael Mancino in Youngstown, Ohio, on March the 4th, 1961. Boxing played a prominent role in Mancini's family history. Mancini's father, Lenny Mancini, the original Boom Boom, was a top-ranked contender during the 1940s. Lenny Mancini's dream, however, was dashed when he was wounded during the World War II. Although Lenny Mancini returned to boxing, limitations resulting from his injuries prevented him from filling his potential. Lenny inspired Ray to develop his boxing skills and encouraged him to train at a gym when he was quite young. Thus, Ray then began his quest to win the world title for his father. Name change during his boxing career. Ray Mancini said, and I quote, My birth name is Mancino, pronounced Man-Chi-Ino, but my professional boxing name was Man-Chi-Ini. My father boxed in New York in 1939 and then put him down as Lenny Mancini and he said, No, no, my name is Mancino. And they, the promoters, said, No, no, you're down as Mancini, sounds better, flows better. That's how I got the Mancini name. Amateur career. At 18, Mancini turned pro after a successful amateur career of 50 fights with 43 victories. Early pro career. At the age of 18, he adopted his father's moniker of Boom Boom and turned professional on October 18, 1979. My father was 18. When he turned pro, I was given the nickname as a little kid, Boom Boom Junior. But when I started in the amateurs, I was Ray Boom Boom Mancini. But amateurs don't put no food on the table. You have to understand, the body only has so many fights in it. Whether it be an amateur fight or pro. If you have a long amateur career and a short pro career or vice versa, you still have a certain number of fights in you. 18 was the right time for me to turn pro. 18 is also when you start to become a man. You're through with high school. Back in the day. You turn 18. Get out the house and get a job. It wasn't like your parents said. We don't love you no more. It was more like. Get your ass out of the house and get a job. That's how it was back then. Mancini won his first professional out on October the 18th 1979 against Phil Bowen via a crunching first round knockout. The Youngstown favourite recalled the contest saying it was a terrific feeling 
especially because I'd broke my form in the, my last amateur fight, which was in March 1979. So getting back in the ring and winning the first fight by knockout against a big, tall, strong guy was great. I had a lot of early knockouts in my career. On the record, you may think he wasn't fighting anybody, but it wasn't like that. In my second fight, I fought a guy called Lou Daniels in Phoenix, Arizona, and I dropped him twice. He got up and finished the fight, which was exactly what I needed at the time to get the rounds under my belt and give me a tremendous confidence builder, knowing I could do the rounds. That went six rounds. In fact, I never fought a four-round contest. The shortest scheduled was six. Brother's death. By December 1980, a little over a year since his debut, Mancini was 15 and all and was already eyeing the ultimate prize in boxing. Events, however, would take a tragic turn. On February the 14th, 1981, his brother, Lenny Mancini Jr. was shot dead in a case surrounded by suspicious circumstances. He was only 25 years old. Me and my brother were very close, Mancini recalled. We fought in the amateurs together, and let me tell you, he was a better fighter than me. Better puncher, better boxer, took a good shot, but he lacked the discipline. That's the one thing I had that he didn't. He trained hard, but he played hard in between fights. You got to take care of your body, just as much out of training as in training. Also, he was a handsome son of a gun. The women loved him. When he died, it took everything away from me. My parents. When he died, a part of them died and a part of me died. He was always the first person to jump in the ring whenever I won a fight. In my first fight back, after his brother passed, I was looking for him, but I knew he wasn't going to be there. That was tough. Four weeks after Lenny Jr.'s death, Mancini knocked out Norman Goins in two rounds and then beat Al Ford three weeks later. Five weeks after that, Mancini defeated Jorge Morales to become the North American lightweight champion, which propelled him one step closer to fighting for world honours. First World Title Challenge On October 3rd, 1981, less than two years after turning pro, Mancini was now 20 and 0 and in with ring legend Alexis Argulo challenging the Hall of Famer for his WBC World Lightweight title. Until the 12th round, Mancini was winning the fight, but then the Willie Argulo flipped the script and stopped Mancini in the 14th. In typically honest fashion, Mancini admitted that he lost the better man, and he said, my brother's passing had no effect on that fight. I had made peace with it and moved on. I had four fights after that, which I'd won. Argulo beat me fair and square. WBA World Champion On May the 8th, 1982, in a match held at the Aladdin in Las Vegas, he challenged the new WBA 
lightweight champion, Arturo Frias. 15 seconds into the fight, Frias caught Mancini with a left hook to the chin. And another combination made Mancini bleed from his eyebrow. Mancini recovered and dropped Frias right in the centre of the ring with a combination. Frias got back up but Mancini immediately went on the offensive and trapped Frias against the ropes. After many unanswered blows, referee Richard Green stopped the fight at 2.54 in the first round and the Mancini family finally had a world champion. Mancini remembered the jolting punch vividly. He said, I got caught. Art was a strong guy who had a come forward style and I was hoping he'd want to fight toe to toe because I thought I was stronger. But he caught me with that big punch. Like with any boxer with power, if you're a puncher, whoever lands first can turn around a fight. And he landed, shook me up, hurt me and knocked me up against the ropes. But if you are in great shape, it only takes a few seconds to recover and come back. I learned off my trainer, Murphy Griffith, that when you're hurt, you do one or two things. You either cover, cover up or fire back. I chose to fire back. Mancini made the right choice and his vicious response forced a first round stoppage, earning him the bout he so desperately wanted to pass to his father. He said, The feeling of winning is hard to explain. The best way to describe it is, is euphoric. The only thing I could compare it to was the feeling I had when my children were born. Can I also add, his wife was listening attentively in the background. Getting married to my wife, that was also up there as one of the greatest moments of my life. Mancini versus Duk Ku Kim On November the 13th, 1982, a 21-year-old Mancini met 27-year-old South Korean challenger, Duk Koo Kim. Kim had struggled to make the 135 pound weight limit and had to lose several pounds shortly before the fight. The title bout at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas was televised live on CBS Sports. It was according to many observers a fight filled with action Mancini won by TKL in the 14th round. Moments after the fight ended, Kim collapsed and fell into a coma. Having suffered a subdural hematoma and died four days later. The week after his death, the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine showed Mancini and Kim battling under the title. Tragedy in the Ring Mancini revisited the crippling episode. He said, When I heard the news, my body sagged. I prepared for it because the doctor said there was probably no chance he was going to come out of the coma. It was a matter of time, but 
In reality, there's no preparation for something like this. No matter how much you think your mind and heart can prepare, when you actually get the news, it's a different story. You got to be around people who love you and care for you, not just my family and friends, but my city, Youngstown, cared about me. My mother just sat there and cried and said, Raymond, I wish there was something I could say to you. And I said, Ma, you can't. There's nothing you can say. I gotta get through this on my own. People were there for me, letting me know they were thinking of me, praying for me. That's all you can really ask for at that point. The aftermath had catastrophic repercussions, and not just for Mancini, who was still only 21 at the time. A few months after Kim's died, the South Korean's mother killed herself, and shortly after, the same fate befell Richard Green, the man who had refereed the fight. A glaring media spotlight only added to the emotional turmoil. Mancini was eager to clarify some misreported facts. He said, I didn't go over for the funeral. I've read a few times that I did, but it's not true. We had a friend of ours from Youngstown, a Korean gentleman, who used to work for the Korean government at some point, and he acted as the intermediary for us. My mother was asking him to send condolences to Duck Q Kim's mother and express her wishes as she had also experienced the loss of a child. I wanted to go over but it was felt that it wasn't a good idea at the time. The family and the Korean government appreciated that I wanted to be there and show my respect but I didn't go on their wishes. I went to Korea several years later when there was a Korean production about Duk Ku Kim, and I went to that, but that's about it. In a credible twist in the script, 2015 to 2016, while the making of his biopic, The Good Son, the son of Kim requested to see Mancini. After spending decades feeling resentment against him and having many questions about the fight, his father and Mancini's family, Kim Chi Wan, he came over to Youngstown, Ohio, with his mother. It was worth noting that Dukku Kim's wife was pregnant with Kim Chi Wan at the time of his death. Mancini recalled, They wanted to meet me, and I said, Yeah, absolutely, I wanted to meet him too. That was important for him and important for me. Mancini continued, In the documentary you see me there at the front of my house, they say he's 10 minutes away then 5. I turned to the director and cameraman and said, Look, you better get this footage correctly because you've got one chance to get it. I can't do this again. That was important. Questions were asked, questions were answered and there was closure for both parties. As a result of Kim's death, the WBC took steps to shorten its title bouts to a maximum of 12 rounds. The WBA and the WBO followed in 1988 and the IBF in 1989. Leitani's career 
retirement. Fourteen months after the tragic contest, Mancini defended his world title against Orlando Romero and on January the 14th, 1984, came up against two-division world champion Bobby Chacon. Mancini couldn't refuse the fight. Mancini said, I loved Bobby Chacon. He was one of my heroes. He had already been in fights of the year with Cornelius, Bowser Edwards and Raphael Limon. How could you not love Bobby Chacon? How could you not root for a guy like that? When I was offered the fight, I knew I was too big and too strong. But as fighters, you know you want to fight the best. And at that time, he was in back-to-back fights of the year and wanted to challenge for my title. So I said yes, of course. Mancini stopped Chacon in three one-sided rounds. After Chacon, the tide turned for Mancini when he lost consecutive fights against Livingstone Bramble between June 1984 and January 1985. After the fight, he said, After the Kim fight, I was looking for the door. Retirement. By that stage, I wanted to fight as often as I could and make as much money as I could, then get out. After the sustaining an injury, they required 71 stitches to one of his eyes. In the second fight, Mancini hung up the gloves. He was only 24. As he pointed out, I had 34 fights and was only caught in 5 fights. But 3 of those times were in the last 5 contests. Two fights lured him back to the ring before the curtain finally fell on his career. On March the 6th, 1989, He stepped through the ropes against legendary Hector Macho Camacho for the vacant WBO super lightweight title. Mancini explained why. He said, I was retired for four years and didn't want to fight no more, but Camacho was personal. I would fight him in a New York minute and, as you know, a New York minute is faster than most. That was one fight that I wanted that should have happened in 1984 before the Bramble fight. Bramble was willing to take step aside money but his people started complaining. I told my guys forget about it once we beat Bramble we'll go ahead and fight Camacho. That was my mindset. I didn't want anybody saying I ducked the fight. Unfortunately it didn't pan out the way I hoped but when it was offered four years after retirement, of course I took the fight. I was still young, 28, and still able to do it. After 12 close rounds, Mancini lost a split decision against Camacho. Then three years later, he made his last appearance in the prize ring as a professional boxer. But his heart wasn't in it anymore, as he squared off with Greg Hugan. On April 3rd, 1992, he said, I was acting in a Broadway play in New York and the promoter came up to me and asked if I wanted the fight. I let my ego get involved and I thought I could still compete like a world-class athlete. The training camp went great, but they are treacherous also. 
I got in the ring and said to my trainer, I don't want to do this tonight. And he replied, It's a hell of a time to tell me now. After Kamacho, I got married. My first two children were born, with the second one born in November 1991. And I went into training camp in February 1992. I felt so guilty not being around. Remember that song, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton? It would come on every day about 3pm and I'd be getting ready to go to the gym and I'd be bawling my eyes out crying like a baby. I couldn't control it because I missed my son and felt guilty for not being there. I was at a different point in my life. I never had kids, never been married before throughout my career. My theory before was, you are getting carried out tonight or I'm getting carried out tonight. Whereas my mindset for this fight was, please, God, don't let me get hurt. My wife and my kids need me. That's the difference from before. I couldn't fight no more, but my ego had made me think I could. You know what ego does? Ego gets your ass whooped. Mancini lost when referee Mills Lane stopped the fight in the seventh round. After boxing. Made for television movie based on Mancini's life aired in the 1980s. The former champion was able to keep 75% of his 12 million in purse money, which enabled him to pursue a broad range of interest in retirement. Mancini has a son also called Ray, who appeared in YouTube reality series Summer Break, in which he also has a guest role. Mancini appeared in and produced a handful of films and became a fight analyst for Fox reality series Celebrity Boxing. Mancini, who as of 2007 resided in Los Angeles, owns the Al Chapon Cigar Company and operates two movie production companies. Mancini pra practices Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and holds a purple belt in mixed martial arts. He appeared in David Mamet's MMA film Red Bell. He also appeared in 2000 remake Body and Soul. Furthermore, Mancini produced Young's Town, still standing in 2010, which premiered at the 34th Cleveland International Film Festival on March 24th. The documentary film featured his hometown friend, actor Ed O'Neill, and also included Jim Cummings, Kelly Pavlik, Jay Williams, Andrea Wood, and Mancini himself, among many other Youngstown natives and local. John Cicciatelli, another Youngstown native, directed and edited the 89-minute-long film. It recounts the history of Youngstown Ohio, from its founding in 1797 to the present. Additionally, Mancini recently played Charlie Frank's retired father in Bad Frank in 2017. Boxing Hall of Fame. In 2015, Mancini was recognised for his achievements and was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastota, New York. It came as a surprise to the Evergreen. That meant everything. When they called me to tell me I was on the ballet, 
I already felt like I was a winner. I never thought my career warranted Hall of Fame status, mainly because I didn't fight long enough. Then, when they told me I had been elected, that was such a high. But I said, I don't believe my career has warranted it. i never forget, a writer said to me, No, I disagree. It wasn't the quantity of the fights. It was the quality of your fights. I said, okay, I'll take it. It was a very proud moment. Credits of this information go to Paul Zanon of Hannibal Boxing Media article for the information of the life and career of Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Hope you guys enjoyed. This has been your host, Pam, on Boxing Daily Podcast Live Stories. Tune in next time when I tell another story of your favourite fighter. Thank you for listening, guys and girls. Bye.